Like a farmer in his field. Well, if that isn't some juicy content. Indeed. Circle gets the square. I'm going to pull some fast gotcha questions. Carry on, James. Carry on. You know what, Craig? That's a good call. It is another edition of Coffee with Craig and James, the Channel Futures podcast. I'm the editorial director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, our esteemed news editor, Mr. James Anderson. James. Mr. Anderson. How the heck are you, buddy? My friend, I am living what we call in the industry a semi-charmed kind of life. How are you? (laughs) I see what you did there. I, I see what you did there. Um, yes, 1997, uh, more music from that year, because why? This is the 97th episode. You know, it hasn't been long since we convened for a podcast, my friend, so I kind of know how you're doing, but at least we can talk about the Memorial Day weekend. How, how was it for you? Three days? Uh, you know, uh, it was a good time. You know, I saw the girlfriend. I did some homework. I did a lot of homework, man. I'm not going to lie. Basically, my time to catch up on work and school and start uh, this week afresh. What about you? Well, you know, you going to school more. I mean, that seems smart. I mean, you get smarter by going to school, right? But you're, you're taking more classes. In a way, that seems dumb. I, I wouldn't want you to take more schooling. It's a, an unfortunate <laughs> move, but one that I do hope will pay dividends, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we beat the heat over the weekend. We went up north, spent uh, some time in the pine trees, northern or northeastern Arizona. I don't know what it's uh, commonly referred to as, but uh, it was a good time, much cooler up there, and uh, now we're digging in here for the long summer, but uh, had a lot of fun. So uh, let's let's get into June. Let's go full yeah. on. You beat the heat, spent time in the pines. I assume you meant to make that rhyme. Oh, you did it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so coming up is something we've really been looking forward to a while here. It's our Channel Futures Workshop, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Strategies for Business Success. And we have lined up some amazing speakers for this event. First, let me tell you, this is coming up uh, Tuesday, June 8th from 11 to 2.30 Eastern Time. Now, our speaker lineup uh, kicks off with an executive panel tackling some of the strategies I just mentioned. We'll follow that up with a call to action, uh, being an ally. Uh, We've got the Senior Director for HR Consulting for the Faculty of Arts and Sciences at Harvard University. You may recall this, James, because I think I mocked you uh, a couple episodes back for going to ASU. That's right. I remember that. That was uh, very painful. Uh, and that's going to be followed up by a panel from DEI Awareness to Action. It's one step. Take it. That's going to feature six terrific ladies in the channel. It's a collaboration between Channel Futures, the Alliance of Channel Women, and our Allies of the Channel Council. It's going to look at why companies are hesitant to launch a DEI initiative and why it's vital for them to take that first step from awareness to action. And uh, in fact, uh, you're going to talk about our guests coming up, uh, two of which are going to be on that panel. Indeed. On on the podcast today, we have two incredible guests. Just one interview, but two guests. 
And with these powerhouses, we really didn't need a second interview. I'm, of course, talking about Michelle Ragusa McBain of JS Group and Gabriella Schuster of Microsoft. They're doing some incredible things in the DE&I space and are major players in the workshop you just mentioned that's coming up next week. That's for sure, James. Also worth noting, everyone knows that Gabriella is leaving her post as corporate VP of one commercial partner at Microsoft very soon, paving the way for her replacement, Rodney Clark. Now, everyone wants to know what's next on her agenda. Well, we asked her, didn't we? Will there once again be breaking news? Boop, 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 boop. On Coffee with Craig and James? Stay tuned. How's that for a teaser, buddy? Wow, I can hardly wait. Oh, okay, but we pre-recorded that interview, so you already know the answer. Oh, I'm excited to hear it replayed. You know, I'm excited for the casties. Ah, there you go. Okay. All right, really excited here. We've got a two-for-one. Actually, with this, uh, these two guests, it's more like three or four-to-one. They're so fabulous. Uh, they're going to be talking about our DEI workshop coming up. First up, we have Michelle Ragusa-McBain. Michelle is the Vice President of Global Channel and Digital Strategy at JS Group. And Gabriella Schuster, Corporate Vice President, One Commercial Partner at Microsoft. Ladies, how are you? Great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely glad to have you. Now, the first thing I've got to say to Michelle is this is the first time we've had you on the show, but we've had your husband Jay on a couple of times. Uh, James told me beforehand that this was all an effort by me again to try and get it on his list of 100 best podcasts, but I told him that's absolutely not true. <laughs> well, he's a good guest, but I mean, I think you've chosen the better McBain this time. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So let's talk about this uh, virtual workshop that Channel Futures is putting on uh, diversity, equity and inclusion strategies for business success. This is 11 a.m. to 2.30 Eastern on June 8th. Now, Michelle, you are moderating this panel. Gabriella, you are a panelist and your panel is called From DEI Awareness to Action. So I guess I'd start off by asking both of you. What, what makes you so passionate about DE&I? Uh, Michelle, why don't we start with you? Sure, yeah. I mean, this is something that's very important to me, and I, and I like to tell my story because it just hits close to home. My, grand, my grandparents immigrated to this country, three or four of them. One was Native American. So as somebody who grew up Caucasian, Latino, and Native American, uh, I was the first in my family to go to college. I was the first to work in technology, the first to get my master's. And it's just been very passionate for me to see you know, more representation from women and diverse candidates that have, you know, profitable return on investment. We have all these studies that show the tangible result and the feel-good metrics. And yet we've seen a stagnation and decline of women entering career of tech. It's gotten worse. I think Gabriella did a great job illustrating that in her TED talk and really resonated with me. And then of course, of during the global pandemic, one in four women reported by McKinsey leaving careers in technology. So as a mom of four daughters, of course, I'm very passionate about this subject and I want them to believe they can do anything they set their mind to. And I want to attract, retain and promote top talent into the careers in technology. That's awesome. Gabriella, how about you? Yeah, I mean, so I've been in high tech for the last 30 years, and it's amazing to me that things are actually getting worse, not better. And so so the, what spurred me into action was the fact that the statistics show the numbers are declining. My own experience shows that um, the numbers are declining. There are fewer and fewer women as opposed to more women in the meetings that I'm in, in the conferences that I attend. 
And, um, and my daughter is 22. And I thought by the time that she entered the workforce, things would be dramatically better for her. And in fact, they're worse. And, um, and so I, I just think that if we let the world keep going at the pace the world is going, it's going to take 100 years for us to get to gender equity. And, um, and, I, and it's only getting worse now because of digital transformation, where the technology is moving out of high tech and it's moving into every industry, into retail and manufacturing and even farming. And, um, and that displaces more jobs that are typically held by women and people of color. And so you not only then have the effect of fewer women in technology, but there are more jobs in technology. And then there are more women and people of color being displaced by the technology. And um, and so I, that was just too much for me to bear. I just felt like um, this is the time for action. We must take action now. We're at a crisis and people need to understand how to take that action. So it just it just spurred me into, you know, focusing more on this. That kind of state of the world both of you are giving that's that's pretty disturbing your workshop is going to touch a lot on how a diverse workplace is going to lead to better business outcomes and it's clear that lots of companies lots of corporations really you know in some ways value diversity you know you see this on their social media platforms um they're certainly performing to people on social media that they value diversity but what's the disconnect um could you talk about the factors that lead to them not really fulfilling those promises yeah you know a lot of it is in their hiring practices that they um they tend to write job descriptions that cater to people who have been in the industry for 10 20 30 years and that doesn't promote enabling the workforce to actually change in the diversity and the diverse nature of it. And the fact that um, in the hiring, in the job descriptions, they tend to screen out candidates, they tend to go for expediency, there's a, still a very close-knit network within high tech, and they hire people they know. And if you don't go outside of that network, if you don't actively and intentionally go to find diverse talent, if you're not forging those relationships through your LinkedIn connections and other networking that you do, then when a job opens, if that's the first time that you try to create diversity, then you will leave roles open for a very long time and it will be harder. So um, you have to be working that network all the time and you have to work with intention and you have to sponsor women, you have to mentor them, um, and then you bring them into your organization. And that's just something that isn't happening and that, and as a result, um, you know, we aren't seeing any difference in, um, in the actual hiring and diversity. I'm so aligned with everything you said. And there's there's these so many statistical metrics and studies that it says an average recruiter looks at a resume for 11 seconds. It takes longer to pop popcorn than it takes them to review and acknowledge and choose a candidate. And there's this case study about the Philharmonic who was 90% Caucasian male at one time. And they started doing blind recording interviews and they actually ended up being more equitable because there was this bias that was associated with who they selected based upon their gender. And so the way that the roles are described, a lot of times people will say he should have criteria that they should. And and so there's this whole thing that goes into the way that you select the candidate, the way you interview the candidate. And I was speaking to a CTO the other day. He said, 5% of my organization is 
women. And I really want more women in my company. And I said, well, I happen to have a lot of good women networks. That's great. Uh, can you tell me more about the role? Do you have a rec? He said, well, I don't have a rec. And I said, interesting. Where exactly are you finding your candidates today? He goes, well, I have this network that I find my candidates from. So he has a select group of similar people. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So he's not populating that rec in communities or job boards such as Tech World's half or Alliance of Channel Women or Comtia's Advancing Women in Technology and all these groups that exist forged to have equality and give people the opportunity. And the other disconnect that happens there is that, you know, there's the statistic that says there's more men named John than women leaders. So despite the opportunity wow. to have that um, connection, there's a lack of people grooming and mentoring and sponsoring, which is exactly what Gabriella just said. So the recent in 2019, Sheryl Sandberg created leanin.org, the COO of Facebook. And in that study, they said that due to the Me Too movement, 65% of men felt uncomfortable mentoring or being alone with women. And so if men are in the position of power and they're the ideal candidates to groom these women to become the next future leaders and they're not willing to teach them, then how are we going to break that barrier and get the right talent in the bench for the next generation or the right. next selection? Absolutely. And so that's, so that's just one part, right? And then once, you know, then the other piece is that the environment itself, inclusion within the organization itself, right? If you don't have a lot of diversity and you bring a diverse candidate in, then they stick out and they don't feel like they belong. And so unless then the leadership team makes an intentional and active effort at driving that inclusive in environment and making the diverse individuals feel like they do belong, then they will leave. And so even when you're able to bring in diverse talent, if then most of your organization is still not diverse, like 5%, and you haven't done this intentional work around creating an inclusive environment, then it only gets worse. And just to, to close that thought is the checking of the box, right? So you can't just hire somebody for tokenism's sake to say, we've met this quality, we've fit this criteria. But also if they're not trained and adequately prepared, you'll say, well, we hired a candidate of this, you know, a female of this minority and it didn't work out. So it almost disqualifies or discredits the ability to do so in the future without the proper way to launch them for success. So you have to actually have not just, you know, gender, race, but, you know, LGBTQ and different socioeconomic backgrounds, like going to community colleges versus just Ivy League and going to different um, cultural arenas and, and incorporating in the future of work. If you can hire anyone from anywhere, you don't limit your possibilities to finding the best candidate, I think, as well. Exactly. This is all really good stuff. And there's so much already just here to incorporate. I'm excited for this workshop. Would you be able to give kind of a, a personal view of some of this? So you've mentioned, you know, some of the positives that can be implemented, such as mentoring, um, expanding your network of hiring, but also these these negative aspects. Would you able to be able to talk about how that 
personally impacted you, whether for the positive or for the negative during your careers? So, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to. For me, in in my career, I was in many stages the only woman in the room. Um, And so I had to learn how to overcome the challenge of being the only woman in the room. Oftentimes when you are, um, you are not heard because the men will speak very loudly and and not leave space and not create that level of inclusion. And even when you speak, they may not hear you. They just talk right over you. And um, and that can be very intimidating. And so for a lot of women, they just back off. For me, um, what I learned to do was to change the pace up, right? So if there was a lot of rapid fire dialogue, I would kind of clear my throat or I would say, can we pause for a minute, take a step back and talk about this from this angle, right? Um, And so I found ways to kind of disrupt that status quo of the way the dialogue was happening and then insert myself so that I could be heard. And oftentimes what it took is I had to say the same thing two or three or four times before people would really hear it. And so then what I learned was to um, build my allies, right? So uh, socialize my ideas, think about what I was trying to communicate in that next meeting before it happened, go to a few people who would be in the meeting, socialize what I was going to say, Um, or the point I would like to make, and then actively ask them, essentially ask them to be allies, but not in those words, just ask them, hey, do you do you support the direction? When I bring this up, will you say you support this direction and then create that level of credibility? It's a big burden. It's a lot of work to go through to be heard where, you know, I mean, it's just not fair, right? Because like the men, they don't do that. They don't have to go do that, spend all their time um, doing that. But but it's how I had learned to succeed in that environment. What's your experience, Michelle? Well, and I just have to say, so Gabriella does not know this, but I have long admired her from afar. I've been very inspired by you. And I was on a run listening to your TED talk and I paused because when you share that story about getting space in the room, I imagined it was very early on in your career. And then you said this happened in February, right before the pandemic. And my heart skipped a beat because I think so often you think you reach a certain level of your career and it just goes away. All of the obstacles and challenges and and the plight. And so for me, I had a lot of my own imposter syndrome. I didn't feel even when I got into academia and all of my friends were doctors and lawyers and my family was hairstylists and and electricians, I did not feel like I fit in. And then now I've been in technology for 17 years and I've sort of earned my place. I feel like I've earned my stripes, but that took time. It took time to be um, brave enough to assert myself and to communicate. I've never had a trouble public speaking or uh, doing presentations, but I would always in my own head self-eliminate from a role or talk myself out of an opportunity. And I think that a lot of women do that statistically. You feel like you have to check every single box. And and a lot of times men who are below average or don't check all the boxes will just go for it. And I think that part of my um, self-talk was really having a lot of mentors, men and women, and 
understanding how can you go to that next level and what can you teach me? And so I say I'm greedy with the mentors. Anyone that I admire and respect, I ask them for advice. What was your journey like? What did it teach you? What were the lessons if you could go back in time and tell yourself? Because I don't think everybody talks about successes, but nobody talks about the stumbling box and failures. And as a mom of, of two young daughters and two that are in college, I also have been through a lot of different like work-life balance. Is it a myth? Is, is it possible to do it all, especially during a pandemic when you're asked to also do remote education for two young children and give them snacks and make sure they're alive? Can you do it all? And so I think that for me, I, I challenge that everybody with the right network and the right communication, you don't feel alone. And I think you said that earlier about the people that they identify, they don't feel included. And we'll talk a little bit about employee resource groups and the idea that if you have a group, you bring like-minded individuals together, but you also bring allies together. And that just allows people to have tough conversations that they may not be comfortable with, but to educate themselves and to understand how the other perspective is. Because I will never know what it feels like to be a certain um, different than I was raised or born or look like, but I can also respect and empathize and listen and learn. And the more we do that and truly hear each other, I think the better our products, our services, our companies and teams and clients will be in the end. Yeah, so that's that's really great stuff from both of you. Um, the imposter syndrome is always one I'm fascinated to hear, hear stories about and to think some of these things that you're discussing are, are still happening these days. I, I guess without a, a really consciously addressing them, they will just continue. And Gabriella, your comments about things going backward uh, for women and for diversity uh, in these times is uh, concerning and, and all of the work you guys are obviously putting into it is uh, helping or will help. Gabriella, before we let you get away, uh, I understand you, in fact, are taking on some DEI initiatives as you finish up your current job at Microsoft. Can you discuss that a little? And as I always like to uh, ask our uh, interviewees, if you want to break any news on the podcast, feel free to do that about anything else you've got going on. Well, you know, I, I, I um, this is an area where over the last year, it's really become apparent to me that we, there's just so much more opportunity to do more. And one of the things that I've realized is that there are a lot of groups. I mean, Michelle, you just named, you named off like a few. I think there's literally like a thousand different groups that are, you know, designed to enable women, to uh, create network for women. Um, to drive for gender equity um, and diversity in e just in technology. And one of the things that I've realized is that we're not working together. And what we really need is we need to create almost an uber coalition or consortium of all of these groups because the fact that we're not working together means that there's pockets of these communities, the message isn't consistent and and so when it goes out when we talk about allyship or we talk about actions you can take it's not coming across as a unified voice and if we really want to make change we need more states like the state of california to step up 
and actually mandate change, right? Mandate that there be women on, on boards of directors, mandate that your organization be X percent diverse, you know, mandate that um, you can't ask somebody what they made in their previous job, because if they were underpaid in their previous job, that just perpetuates throughout their whole career versus giving them an opportunity to get equitable pay for equitable job. Um, when they go to apply for something new. And states like California are really leading the way on that. But what we need is we need to bring all of these thousand groups together to lobby, to create the right lobby, and to um, make these really systemic changes. And so as I go deeper on um, on DNI, it is around how do we start bridging um, these groups? How do we bring them together? How do we build this coalition and really start to lobby for change in a very intentional and actionable way? That is fantastic, Gabriella. But James, she didn't bite at my breaking news prompt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. She's strong. She's savvier than I am, clearly. But Gabriella raised a great point with the with the equitable pay, and I and I wanted if I could just touch upon that. The fact sure. is that women make seventy cents to the dollar, Caucasian women of a man. If you are African American, it's sixty cents to the dollar, and if you're Latina, it's fifty cents to the dollar. So there is this huge disconnect, and also the tactical skills. When we talk about mentorship, it shouldn't always just be aspirational. But also talking about salary negotiation, asking for the promotion, what are the skills if you wanted to be the chief revenue officer, what are what do you need and have the hard conversations to truly say what you need to do different or better without the sensitivity of thinking that they can't handle it because you're not going to grow and change if you don't have the right tactic skills and tools to empower you for success. So really having constructive feedback on how you got to where you are can really help somebody else get to where they need to be. You know, there's so many women who responded to my TED Talk um, by saying, you know, I too have had that experience of being the only woman in the room or being feeling invisible. And I always thought that at some point it would change and it hasn't yet for me, right? And I thought it was me. So many said, I thought it was just me. And I think that's a core part of the message and what we need to change is it's not you, it's not the person, it is the system, it's the bias that's built in and that's what we have to change. And so having male allies um, is super important. Having men who are willing to step in and a mentor, sponsor, include the women in their organization, bring women from outside of their organization, put women into leadership teams in their organization. It not only increases the performance of the company and the innovation of the company, but it, it enables them to get to that um, gender balance. Well, Michelle and Gabrielle, I'm so grateful for both of you coming on today and, and giving just a, a, a little preview of what the conversation is going to be like on June 8th at 11 Eastern time. So thanks to both of you. It was a joy to learn from both of you today. So thanks for joining. Thank you. All right, James, uh, I think that was everything it lived up to be. Uh, Michelle and Gabriella, fantastic representatives in the DE&I space. You know, we did tease that thing about uh, Gabriella asking her, yes, she, she didn't really give us an answer. She's holding that back a little bit. But since we recorded the interview, she has indicated something about continuing to work actively with the uh, Microsoft 
ecosystem of partners. So whatever that means, uh, you know, read between the lines, figure that out. But uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from her on that soon. Yeah, certainly someone to keep an eye on, you know, an, an influencer, um, definitely in this space. Um, but it was a really good conversation. And just to hear their, the, their personal side of this issue, it just makes it all the more meaningful and really helps illustrate the problems that, that we're facing in our industry and how we can help solve those. So I thought that was really solid. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned she's an influencer. In fact, she was our very first Channel Partners Channel Futures Influencer of the Year a few years ago. Uh, so you nailed that one right on the head. She has a footprint for certain. What do you say we close this sucker out, my friend? I say so, too. You know, we got that Memorial Day kind of uh, fatigue, you know, that we're, we're still trying to work off. And, you know, no, yeah. it'd be good to take a little time to recharge. Okay. Uh, I trust the tribute to 1997 with our 97th episode is going to continue with this closing music. Yes, sir. Kick things off with the upbeat beat of Third Eye Blind. Closing with some Gone Away by Offspring, as our loyal casties will probably be pleased that we have gone away till the next episode. I think it's a recipe for success, Craig. All right, if you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, uh, please check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, we'd encourage you to join us on where, James? Our flagship website. Channelfutures.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you again real soon. Bye, everyone. I can't deal.